Thank you, Lydia, Rachel. Oh, may that be our prayer. Ties in so perfectly with where we come this morning in our study of 1 Peter. Would you take your Bibles and turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 5 as we look at verse 10. So much in that song recounts different parts of our lives and different trials that we may be experiencing. Different sins and temptations, different struggles, all pieced together in that. I think those are the kinds of things that Peter had in mind as the Holy Spirit inspired him to write the words here we find in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 10. But the God of all grace, who hath called us into his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a little while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Lord Jesus, our great God and Holy Spirit, we bow before you today, thanking you that you are the God of all grace. And Lord Jesus, we have many things that are upon our minds today. I pray that today we would set those things aside and come to you, knowing that this is what you've called us to, knowing that by you and through you we have access to all grace, for you are the God of all grace. You are the one to whom all glory, honor, and dominion is due. And today, as we, your people, open your word, may your spirit move among us May your spirit teach us and help us to understand, not just to understand, but to apply. May the truths given in these just these few words be real, real and profound in our lives. And may it change us to be more like you. And indeed, may these things spoken of here be fulfilled in each of our lives. We seek you now and pray that you would teach us as we look here to your word, we pray. In your name, Lord Jesus, amen. As Lydia is saying, in this life there are many temptations, there are different trials, there are different issues we have to deal with. But yet we go through these things not alone and not without purpose. We've prayed for the Dinsmore family, for Mr. Bowen in that time in the valley of the shadow of death. In that time, he can come to Jesus. In that time, he can come to the God of all grace with a hope and an expectation of his glory. We may be dealing with secret sins. We can confess and forsake those secret sins by coming to Jesus knowing that we can come to the God of all grace, knowing that he has called us, knowing that he can bring us and deliver us from those temptations. We may be dealing with physical weakness or pain, and it is in that physical weakness or pain that is the result of the sin curse upon this world. Well, we can come to Jesus, the God of all grace, 
knowing that there is glory, knowing that in Him, though there be suffering, He can make us perfect. He can establish us, establish us, He can strengthen us, and He can settle us. There are so many around the world today, and it was very true to the audience of which Peter was writing this letter, who were enduring and suffering horrific persecution, trials, and problems. Imagine with me how how grand this promise, this declaration is, this benediction that the God of all grace who hath called us unto His eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a little while, make you perfect, establish strength, and settle you. It's then we can realize that as He does these things, to Him be glory, dominion forever and ever. Amen. Regardless of whether or not we may face this persecution as the early church did or whatever it may be that is our suffering, Oftentimes, I think that we have failed in paralleling the suffering here, which is really in context that of religious persecution that was very serious, and tie it to some of the trials that we have, not to minimize our trials. But I think it's important that we recognize that this was written to a church that was severely hunted, persecuted, and was being slaughtered. And to recognize that this be true for them, how much more also it is true for us, no matter how small our trials may be. Sometimes we have trials and issues in our lives that we just accept as part of this sin-cursed world. We become accustomed to them, and we lose the eternal and the bigger picture of them. My littlest girl is soon to be a year old next month, and For some reason on Friday night, she just started to be rather strange behaving and was irritable and seemed to be lethargic but yet not sleepy. And as the evening progressed and the night set in, she set in a fever. The fever continued throughout the night and throughout the day yesterday. And you know, she's just one year old. It might just be the teething. Nobody else has gotten sick. Nobody else has anything. Not even been around anybody. Probably is just teasing, teething. That's a pretty miserable thing that most of us don't remember, praise God. But, um, and I was convicted as I had been preparing this message and thinking through this, and, and in some ways of how I just dismissed this as a normal part of childhood and was rebuked of the Holy Spirit to say this wasn't in His plan. Pain even in the little infant, when we don't even know why or what is causing it. That wasn't in his plan. It isn't a part of his plan. It isn't his desire to see us suffer. But yet we see different degrees of suffering all through and all around us that sometimes we just let it pass in stride. It will pass. And I get that. Nobody likes the person who's always making a big deal about all the little things. But yet at the same time, I think that the one who cares for us, I think he, he hurts with us. Have you ever thought of the Heavenly Father who never designed us to endure such pain and such trials? The one who 
careth for us, as we learned earlier in this passage of the one upon whom we can cast all our cares, that, that we have no idea what that little one's going through and that fever, that whatever pain may be there, and to recognize that her creator does. Her creator knows exactly what's wrong, and he cares. You might even say, and I think it's very legitimate from all different passages we find in scriptures of him being touched with our infirmities that he feels the pain right there with her. But I ask the question further is, you know, there are times in which I, I, I find myself having a headache or don't feel quite right. Again, this not in God's design. But do we just take it and dismiss it and grit our teeth, which doesn't help us, and continue on and just giving it and making it up and chalking it up to the sin-cursed world or not even really recognizing or acknowledging that? Just go through the day, pop the ibuprofen or the Tylenol and press on. I'm not saying it, I'm not preaching against popping the ibuprofen or Tylenol necessarily, but I'm asking the question of in those times, do we, do we recognize and do we see and do we ask ourselves, how is my God, my God of all grace, my God who cares for me, using this headache, using this temptation, using this pain to make me perfect? The idea here of perfect is to be complete mature as he designed and really it's a, it's a progressive process that he's doing in our lives ultimately fulfilled when we stand before him in his presence complete in him how does he use those things and are we allowing his grace and are we availing ourselves to his grace to through that experience no matter how small we might dismiss it to complete us in his perfection, to establish us, and that could be in many different ways, establish us in our faith, our confidence and trust in him, establish us in our identity in him, establish us in the truth and reality of recognizing who we are in the world in which we live in and how it relates to us and in all fits into eternity. How are we established? And how are we strengthened? So oftentimes, we plow through, and part of the reason why we push and plow through is because we don't feel very strong. We feel very tired. We feel very weak. Have you ever, in that moment of weakness, whether it's been a long day, I, I think as, as I've been married and a dad of many little people and the years have gone by, I, I think that, that in America's society, I think a lot of those mommies who are taking care of those kids know what it means to be weak, just exhausted, and just exhausted. And when you feel weak or when you put in that long day and you still have more things to do and you're, and you're weak, in those moments, do you recognize the truth of what this is saying? It's in those very moments that you're strong. 
It's in those very moments of weakness that he strengthens you as the God of all grace. Have you ever been troubled? Your mind doesn't know what to make of this or of that. You don't know what to do in the training of your children. You don't know how to handle a situation in your marriage. You don't know what to do with this health problem. You're all in turmoil. I mean, it, it could be anything. I, I, I hesitate sometimes to go in to list things lest you sit there and go, yeah, he doesn't know me, doesn't that, that, not, not me, not me, not me. Well, what is yours? Take a moment and think through your past week, your past month. Maybe you have life easy and you don't have things that trouble you. Mm. What are those things that trouble you that may be so much so that you might be embarrassed to admit them? Oftentimes I think that's true. We don't even want to admit them to ourselves. What troubles us? What things make us not settled? Well, in those moments, instead of fretting, instead of worrying, instead of being all riled up about it, be settled. Because the God of all grace can settle you. He can settle you even when it seems that there is no help in sight. And so, this morning as we look here at this, we see our problems, and whatever they may be, I actually encourage you to, to consider the smallest of them to the biggest of them. And this morning, to identify them and to recognize those things that make you feel weak, those things that trouble you, those things that you just feel like you're not all there, you're incomplete in some way. Identify what are those things? What are those things that are just still in limbo that need to be established? For a moment, think about them. Don't stop there, because if you think too long on them, I'll give you a promise. You'll get stirred up. You'll get riled up. Identify them. And then again, look with me here at 1 Peter 5.10. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Mm. We're going to come back and look at some more of verse 10, but take a moment and meditate on that word amen for a minute. Amen. It's a very old Hebrew word. It's not really an English word. But it comes from the old Hebrew, and it's been carried into the Greek and into the Latin, and even in Chinese, they say amen, amen. It's not quite like that, but it's amen. All in languages, it gets carried over as amen. What's it mean? It means it's true. It means let it be so. It means I agree. Amen. 
how much we need to consider amen in our lives in the moments when we are weak and in the moments when we feel like failures and in the moments when we are troubled and disrocked. May we know this amen. And what is this amen? Well, it's the God of all grace. Oh, we spend a little bit of time here speaking of and kind and I'm asking you to recount and to think and to consider the, the troubles, the things that you endure and suffer. But if we spent too much time there or stayed there, we'd be in trouble. We need to move our eyes from the problems to the God, to the God of all grace, to the God of all glory. To the God to whom alone belongs all glory. To God who has dominion over all things. When we have a proper view of God, then, and really the truth is only then, can these things be accomplished in our lives. The God of all grace. Now, here we have the God who has of all glory and dominion forever and ever. So no matter what we're facing, and put yourselves in the picture here and with an Asia Minor of these people here in this time where they're getting lit on fire as lampposts in Nero's palace, where they're being hunted and slaughtered, where unthinkable and miserable things are being done to women and children, all because they're Christians. And it's illegal to be a Christian in the Roman Empire at this time. You've heard the rumors, or you've seen it happen in your family or in your church of these horrible things. Do you think you might not be settled? Do you think you might be troubled? Do you see how incredible it is to see God as the God who has all dominion and all glory? Earlier in 1 Peter, he spoke of the glory of man. What is it? It is the flower of the field that fades, the grass that withers not the glory of God. The glory of God endures forever. Those who oppress, those who persecute. And may I also note that it's in the context here also of our adversary, the devil, and just previous before is dealing with him, who also is a real expert at troubling us. How much more is it that we see that God is the God of all dominion? No matter who the rulers are, the governors are, the people who, who oppress you, or even the devil himself, to recognize and acknowledge in all of this that God has dominion. And he has it now, and he has it forever and ever and ever. And then ask, what's he trying to accomplish in my life through all of this? This is your God. Your God is of all glory. He has all dominion. And he's also the God of all grace. Now, we probably read stories of people coming before a king or a powerful figure and, and referring to him as your grace. You know, you ever heard of them referring to a king as, as your grace, your grace? You know why they do that? Because supposedly this king has the power to bestow favor, kindness, or things upon the subjects. And so they refer to him as his grace, hoping that they might receive favor, kindness, benefit, privilege from this one. Well, 
there's a lot of kings throughout a lot of history who think they have a lot of favor to pass out. But can I tell you something? In comparison to the God of all grace, they ain't got nothing on him. I mean, it doesn't even register on the grace spectrum. He is the God of all grace. He has the power, the dominion, the authority of pouring out grace upon everyone in every way and in every circumstance. It doesn't matter what your problem is, no matter how little, no matter how big, God God has a favor, and he can give you a favor. He can give you the strength. He can give you the power. He can give you the wisdom. He can give you anything that you need for anything that you face because he is the God of all grace. I mean, think about it for just a moment out of all of the problems that you have in your family or in your life. Just imagine, you know, some great king. You know, some great king. You know, like Putin. He can do a lot, right? He's powerful, right? Now think about it for just a moment. With all that he has, how many of your problems can he really solve? I mean, he could maybe give you money. That might help in a few areas, right? Just so you know, those who are rich have manifold temptations. It actually takes a whole lot more to manage a whole lot of money than it does when we have what God has given us and trusted us with stewards, and he knows what we ought to have. So think about it, though. I mean, whoever your favorite king is, maybe you like somebody you know from history. I was learning about some people today who thought themselves great. Um, earlier this week, I was reading about a, a lady called Catherine the Great, you know, from Russia too, and, and all, all kinds of different powerful kings and monarchs from history, or even you might think of today. How much grace can they, can they give you? If you were to come before them and say, my grace, and they were to say, I'll give you up to half the kingdom, or I'll give you the whole kingdom, how much really could they solve your problems? Do you think any of them could ever solve you in the temptations you have with sin? in the struggles you have in knowing how to raise your children and knowing how to handle a particular difficult situation with your kids? Newsflash, most of them are terrible parents. Just look at history. I mean, they had it all, right? They sure didn't have anything extra to give in that area. But yet, you and I, we have a God of all grace. A God, when we come to Him and say, Your grace... We need help in our time of need. He's the God of all grace, and he can give us any help for anything that we need at any time and in any place. And you might say, no, that's not true. I mean, if he's the God of all grace, you know, these kinds of people, they're inaccessible. Can I remind you of what's recorded over in Hebrews chapter 4? where it speaks that we may come boldly before the throne of grace to find help and mercy in time of need. He's accessible, even though he's the God of all grace, and also he's acknowledged as the one who is the throne of grace. That speaks of the power to administer and to pass out, to give favor, to give loving kindness. We can come boldly to him at any time. 
I mean, you know, think about it. I told you what, we would, what could Putin do for you. I'm not trying to pick on Putin here. You know, he is pretty popular these days in some parts of the world to talk about. But, you know, um, anybody, you know, you, you wouldn't have access. You, we don't have access to all these people. But yet, we have access here to the God of all if you've received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you believed on Him and He lives inside of you, you have access, instantaneous access at any time and at any place to come to the God of all grace. Will you come to Him? As she sang earlier, will you come to Jesus? For it is through Jesus who will bring you to that throne of grace he is that mediator between God and man. It's through him that we come to that throne of grace. Do we avail ourselves to the throne of grace? I picked earlier just the comment of a headache. You know, every time it rains, I get a headache. My wife teases me that I have a barometer in my head. I get a headache, and it builds, and it builds, and then as soon as it starts raining, the headache goes away. Um, and I'm, I'm starting to think, you know, what is God trying to teach me in that headache? You know, to me now, it becomes something that's very common. I've had it ever since I was a child. I've had that issue. And it's something that's just there, and it's normal. The pressure builds, and then it releases, and I'm okay. And it's meditating on this and thinking through this. I'm asking myself the question. Hear this little thing that is a quirk about me that I've now accepted I'm glad I've accepted it, right? I don't get mad and bitter about it. But yet, in my acceptance of it, have I failed the grace of God to allow His grace to work in the midst of that to make me perfect, to establish me in, in whatever He's wanting to establish me, and to strengthen me, to settle me, to glorify Himself. And again here, I pick something that's insignificant. It's also very personal to me. But what are the things you have? And in your life, do you avail yourself to hear the God of all grace? Do you come by Jesus Christ? Do you see that here? By Jesus Christ to this God of all grace? Now, we've seen who our God is. We've seen that he's the God of all grace. We've seen that he is the God of all glory. We've seen that he is the God of all dominion. And I'd like you to think for a moment that it's to him be glory. You see that in verse 11? But do you also see eternal glory in verse 10? And how we're connected to his eternal glory? Look, look at it. Look at it here. 1 Peter 5.10. But the God of all grace who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. Oh, wow. Not only is he the God of all grace, the one whom we can come to, but he is also, he is also the one who has called us to his glory eternal glory. 
Most of the time when we are troubled, when we are weak, when we feel like failures and we are not established in what we're trying to do, do we feel much glory? No, we oftentimes feel pretty pitiful. But that's not what we're called to. We're not called to pitifulness. We're called to God's eternal glory. I think it wise for us at this point to consider the concept of eternal glory and look at it in a future sense. Can you take your Bibles and turn with me over to the book of Revelation? Revelation chapter 21 speaks of a time in the future, a glorious time. And again, we, f- we fix our eyes not only upon our God, but also to consider what he has called us into. And sometimes when we're in the down and dirty, the painful, the hard of life, we lose focus of eternity, don't we? We lose focus of glory. And um, I one time had a situation where I was ministering or seeking to minister to a mother and a child. The child was, oh, I think about six or seven years old. And this child's great-grandmother had died. And this great-grandmother was a Christian. But you know her granddaughter, the young mother, was not a Christian. And neither was her great-granddaughter. And in preparing and leading up to the events of that funeral, I, I was speaking to that mother, and she told me that she didn't want me talking about heaven because she didn't want me giving fanciful hope to her daughter. I wasn't responsible for the funeral because if I were, I would have ignored that advice. But the instruction was, don't talk to my daughter about heaven because I don't want her having fanciful hopes. Now, she was using the wrong word because hope actually means a confident expectation. And so fanciful hope don't go together. Hope goes with a confidence, a true reality of hope. But you know, that day and as time goes by, I never had an opportunity to talk to the child anyway. Um, but I've always troubled. And in, in fact, now that, that, that child has grown and is, is a teenager. And um, I still, still look for opportunity when I can talk to that young lady and to her mother and opportunities of respecting the mother's opinions and wishes, but yet also knowing and praying that what she really needs is not fanciful, wishful thinking, but concrete, hard reality of truth. And you know, I think sometimes we live in a world and in a society where that's kind of an idea. Oh, when the realities of death hits, don't feed us wishful thinking of heaven, or rather, You know what some people do in the opposite? When there is no actual real hope, they do want wishful, fanciful thinkings of heaven. Do you see the two-sided of it? There are some who say, oh, don't talk to me about the wishful, wishfulness of heaven. And there's other people who are like, oh, fee, please tell me about the wishful of heaven, when really they have no hope in it. 
because of the relationship with Jesus is what the issue is. And you know, considering those two sides of the way that our world treats heaven, you know, our Christian, as Christians, as what we should be Bible believers, we're sometimes caught up in that way of thinking subconsciously. And sometimes we, we, we don't think we know a lot about heaven, so we don't really, you know, think about it. But you know, the Bible actually gives us a whole lot of information about heaven. I don't think it's a good idea to speculate on things about heaven. Um, but I, I think there's enough that we can actually get excited about. And so here we see this here, where we've, we've been talking about the God of all grace, who has called us into his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. Let's go look at some of this eternal glory as it appears. Revelation 21, God revealed to the apostle John a vision, and he wrote of it, and he said, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. That sounds like a pretty special place, doesn't it? And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. So many times through this life, it is acknowledged in the scriptures that now we live life, and it's as if we live through a veil, and these things are, yes, Christ lives in us, but there's still there's something there. But here this is, all that veil is taken away. We'll see him face to face. Verse 4, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. May I suggest to you that in the times of death, in the times of sorrow, in the times of crying, in the times when tears are flowing from your eyes, that through Jesus you come to the God of all grace and you consider and look and know that this glory here you're called to. The tears may burn and sting now, but through those tears, the God of all grace is strengthening you, perfecting you, establishing you, and settling you for this glorious day when those tears are wiped away. Consider the calling you have been called to. Verse 5, And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, write, for these words are true and faithful. Remember the two perspectives that our world and our society has regarding heaven? Either as it's wishful, thinkful, thinking that's fanciful, offering real, no true, concrete hope, or feed me these wishful, fanciful thinkings because I can't endure reality, but yet don't really understand 
the reality of that they are real, that they are true. We, we in our times of difficulty, in those times we are suffering for a while, know that God is using that suffering for a while, preparing us for what he has called us to, and it is this day. What a glorious day that will be. There's a lot described here in, of, the, of the new Jerusalem described, of the magnificent gates and the foundations of precious stones that are of all of this, and the, the need of no temple there, for God will dwell amongst his people. And then as we come to chapter, chapter 22, it says that uh, John was shown a pure river of water, of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb in the midst of the street of it and on either side of the river, there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits and yielded her fruit every month, and the leaves of the trees were for the healing of the nations. There shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him, and they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads, and there shall be no night there, they need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. And again, you might be saying, oh, these are wishful thinkings that you're just giving us. Look what it then goes on to say. And he said unto me, these sayings are faithful and true. You have the difficulties, the problems, going back to 1 Peter chapter 5. Are you suffering a little while? Recognize that it is a little while because you are called to these kinds of glories. You're called to the glories of the presence of the glorious God of all grace. And what's really exciting is that in the midst of this time here, we have access to his throne, his throne of grace, and we all have the anticipation of this calling to an ultimate fulfillment in his very presence. So take heart. Take heart in the midst of trouble. Recognize to what you are called. And as we conclude, I'd like to bring your attention to one little prepositional phrase that is key. But the God of all grace who hath called us unto his eternal glory. How? By what? How did this all happen? By, don't miss this, Christ Jesus. Jesus Christ is the eternal Son of God who became one of us, identified with us, died for us, took our place, took our sin upon him so that this could be true. And each day and every day that we seek to gain access to the throne of grace, it is through him who is not dead in a tomb or a grave, but is alive. He's actually right now seated at the right hand of the throne of God, making intercession for us. His Holy Spirit, if you have received him, lives inside of you. He's the one who's working to perfect you, to establish you, to strengthen you, to settle you. He's doing that work in anticipation of its permanent work and glory to which you've been called. It is through Jesus Christ. 
If today you don't know Jesus Christ, and I don't mean just know about Jesus Christ, I mean truly know him as your savior, know him as your friend, know him as your God. Know him as your mediator, the go-between between you and God. Do you know him? Because it is by him and him alone that you can be called to everlasting glory, that any of this can happen. It's true both for those who have never received the Lord Jesus Christ, this is the first step. And for those of us who have received the Lord Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit lives within us, it continues day by day, moment by moment, may I say, that we by him know the God of all grace. We can have a hope in our calling to eternal glory. And we can know that though we suffer for a while, he is working through us and in us to perfect, complete us, to establish us, strengthen, and to settle us. And in all of this, it's to his glory. For he is all glory, dominion. He has it all forever and ever. Amen. Amen. I hope you're saying amen in your heart. We're a little quieter crowd here than some churches. I had a lady visit a few weeks back, and she was like, boy, y'all, y'all quiet here. She goes, she goes at, our, at my church, there's a lot of amen and hallelujahs, and preacher, you're stepping on my toes stuff going on. And uh, I, I was like, whoa, I never had anybody tell me I'm stepping on their toes while I was preaching, right? Verbally audible right there to you. You know, I, I understand that you're, you're, you're a quieter group. That's, that's your cultural way. But I pray and hope that in your hearts, and it wouldn't be bad from your lips as long as it's in your heart too, is crying out amen. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Lord Jesus, we praise you now and thank you for your word. Teach us. <laughs> we need to be taught moment by moment as we've here heard it, but not just heard it. Teach us, Lord, to live it your spirit move in us, and may we walk in your spirit. May we not quench your spirit, but we, may we be filled with your spirit moment by moment and day by day, considering these truths and living them. Great God, we praise you that you are the God of all grace. Lord Jesus, we praise you that it is by you we are called to this eternal glory. And Holy Spirit, in the midst of this time of suffering, for a while, we acknowledge your presence, your abiding and dwelling of us, and we pray that you do your perfect work, that you truly complete us, that you establish us, that you strengthen us and settle us, and we long and look to that day in glory to which you have called us when this will be complete. And we thank you in the meantime for the little taste of it that you pour out in our hearts. We but earthen vessels filled with your great glory, your spirit living in us. And as that, may we recognize our frailty, our weakness, and know 
that to you alone belongs the glory and dominion. And it's not just yours, but you have it forever and ever. And so we praise you and we cry, amen, amen. It is true. We agree. Tis true. So much so, Lord, may we live our lives amening all throughout it, all throughout our lives, and no matter what we face, whether little or big, Lord, I pray that we might be crying amen to this truth in each moment. We need you in each moment. Lord, I uplift to you, my brothers and sisters here, myself, my family, all of us, we, we have issues. Oh, you of all people know that. We have things that trouble us, that try us, that tempt us, and we need you in our lives. May we not fail your grace. Thank you that you are available. Thank you that your grace is free. Thank you that we can rest in you. We pray these things in your name. Amen.